1: Tune in to 3CR Community Radio, Wednesdays at 5pm. Melbourne's Drive Time Radio Program. Featuring community organisations, powerful stories and information. Find us at brainways.org.au. Proudly sponsored by Wellways Australia.
0: Hello and welcome to Brainwaves on 3CR, 855am, 3CR Digital Radio and 3cr.org.au. My name is Kaylin and from the Brainwaves team today we have Susie and we will touch briefly today on the history of the treatment of people with mental illness and intellectual disabilities within Australia's corrections system and discuss the situation today and what needs to be done to make society safer and to treat those with mental illness or an intellectual disability effectively and compassionately so they can be their very best. Ourselves, we will also touch base, practice wide. Uh, sorry, also touch best practice worldwide and any improvements in the pipeline. And today, to discuss that, we have Greg Barnes. Now, Greg's been on the show before. He's a high-profile barrister, author, political commentator. Sadly, he was
2: trapped in Melbourne's infamous traffic. <laughs> um, I was. Yeah, and he's, he made it though.
1: I think it might have been the extinction. The extinction.
2: Oh dear, well, we can't complain about that. We're not complaining. complaining. (laughs) Um, He's a journalist who writes prolifically about many issues, including human, democratic, and civil rights. He has a weekly column in the Mercury, and his latest book is called The Rise of the Right The War on Australia's Liberal Values. A really good read. Hello, Greg, and welcome indeed to (laughs) Brainwaves. You made it. it. Well done. Thanks, guys. Um, Greg, how long have you been practising law and in the bad old days, what was the situation generally for people accused of crimes who had a mental or intellectual issue? That is, what resources and supports were available for those people? And do you have any horror stories that you yeah, can talk sure. about?
1: Yeah, no, sure. Look, uh, I mean, it's a good question, Susie. So I, I was practising law first in the 1980s and then I went and worked in politics for about 12 years and then came back. Um, the The situation... In relation to mental illness and the law in some ways has not changed in some ways it has the way it hasn't changed is that we still lock up vast numbers of people in our prison system who have mental illness um, and who just shouldn't be in prison Uh, they're not violent people uh, they're not people from whom society needs to be protected Often they're people who have just got numerous offences and reached the point where that's the only perceived to be the only option. Mm. The the other point though is that you do have people, um, and there is um, certainly evidence. There's a case uh, I've seen cases where people just languish in the prison system for many years with a mental illness where they haven't actually been. Um, because they've they've essentially had an insanity defence, as we used to call it, where Mm. uh, they're not deemed to be fit to stand stand trial because Mm. of a mental illness, they're just effectively incarcerated. Now, they might be incarcerated Mm. in psychiatric facilities, but it's effectively incarceration for many, many years and forgotten Mm. about. Mm. Um, There's one notorious case in Tasmania, a guy called uh, McCrossan, Jamie McCrossan, who was in jail, sent to jail, I think, in 1991, um, and remain there until 2018, um, simply because uh, he was deemed to be a dangerous offender. He had severe mental illness, and of course, the longer you leave people in these systems, yeah. the worse mm. it gets. And yeah. It's sort of chicken and egg uh, situation.
2: Yeah, and it's hardly safe when they come out either.
1: Well, and and look, you know, I just I just got off the phone this afternoon from a prisoner um, who's just spent some time in New South Wales, and we were making the point that when you go to hospital. You come out, they have so-called aftercare. You know, they want to know mm-hmm. where you're going and uh, who you, when you're going to see a doctor. Mm. You leave prison as a person with mental illness. You're not plugged into any services. Mm. You're given half a Centrelink check and told you're on your own. Mm. Uh, and that's why uh, people with mental illness, um, and particularly severe mental illness, mm. really struggle. One, in the prison system, where there's very little by way of rehabilitation, very little by way of care, and two. Um, where uh, when they do come back into the system, they've got to join the queue again in terms Mm. of getting housing and services.
2: Yeah, and so you could... um, I would imagine recidivism is...
1: is Recidivism's very high. Yeah. I mean, you know, the the more you jail people, the more people you want to jail, and this this seems to be lost on the current government in Mm. Victoria, the more people that you want to jail, the more likely it is you will get a higher recidivism rate. That Mm. is, within the first two years of... Coming out of prison, they will re offend.
2: Mm, yeah. Um, yeah, so um, you've been, uh, pra- you practice law around Australia, particularly in Tasmania and Victoria. Like you said, not a lot has changed. We are still locking people up, but there seems to have been a lot more insight, more news articles and that sort of thing, trying yeah. to inform people of what the situation is. Has anything actually changed for the better? Like, well, are look, we getting I, anywhere? We, we are
1: getting somewhere. We've, we've now got um, mental health courts or mental uh, courts that are dealing with people with mental illness, and so a more therapeutic approach being taken in some parts of the justice system. Yeah. However, having said that, Um, that's mainly in the magistrate's court. Uh, In the higher courts, it's generally not available. Um, We are, I think, getting greater understanding of the impact of uh, psychiatric uh, illness and psychological issues in relation to offending and why people offend. Mm. Uh, So that's changed. Mm. But we still have a view really based on the idea that um, we're almost... As it were, uh, scared to uh, acknowledge the fact that some people uh, will commit crime uh, and do commit crimes when in, in particularly florid states, and they ought not go to prison for mm. it. So, you know, for example, people who get into a really florid state psychotic episode, who beat up someone, mm. you know, still end up in prison. Now. That's because we, at the end of the day, say, well, we can't differentiate, we can differentiate between people, but only to some extent we've got to, at the end of the day, enforce the law. And you've just got to say that a person who has a severe psychotic episode who beats somebody up, even if they do serious damage to that person, you've got to ask yourself, is, is prison the place for that person? Right. Generally mm. not.
2: And also, I think society's perception is because of that sort of incident is well reported, often a major news story. People perceive that all people with mental illness well, commit right. crimes, which yeah. isn't true. Which isn't yeah.
1: true, and and in fact that, you know, there is a link. There's no link between mental illness and crime. As in, mm. you know, I've got a mental illness, therefore I commit crimes. That's right. There There's is none. a link though between people who commit crimes and enter the jail system, then developing mental. Uh, illness. Absolutely, yeah.
2: You know? mm. Mm.
0: So um, in, I guess in the view of, of uh, the fact that the Ombudsman found that 40% of prisoners in 2015 had a mental health condition, do you think uh, deinstitutionalisation uh, without appropriate support and resources it impact arrest and conviction rates?
1: Well, I think there's no doubt about that. Um, you know, the, the reality is that uh, we don't have enough mental health beds. I don't think there's any jurisdiction in Australia where we have enough in Mm. hospitals for acute care. Um, We don't have sufficiently holistic service providers within the community for people. And we've still got relatively limited understanding within the justice system of mental illness um, in the sense that we still have resort to pretty traditional tools. You know, we arresting people charging people putting them through the system jailing them uh, reminding them they can't get bail uh, you know so so we we're still a long long way from a truly smart and humane system mm. which would see people with particularly with acute mental illness going nowhere near prison
0: mm. Mm. well often the crime is 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 kind of like a um, a symptom of the mental yeah. illness, so it's yeah. like you know. Imagine if people who have a breakdown were sent to prison mm. instead yeah. of going to a hospital. It's like mm. you know. Well,
1: and and look, you know, um, it it's this over reliance on prison we have mm. in our society. But you know, there was a case recently I know here in Victoria of a fellow who uh, assaulted an ambulance officer. And there was this, you know, the magistrate quite rightly, in my view, it's now on appeal, but the magistrate quite rightly did not send that person to jail. He was having a Florida episode, Mm -hmm. psychotic. Mm. It would be absolutely unjust to send that Mm. person to jail.
2: So as an ex-nurse and I've worked in the psychiatric yeah. system, I've been assaulted and I would not want that patient to be charged. Yeah. End of story. Well, I, And I I've did... worked in um, casualty as yeah, well. And
1: I, I, mm. I, and I think, you know, the police overcharge. Mm. I mean, I, I'm aware of another case recently where a person was um, in the emergency department uh, of a hospital. Um, they hadn't had access to their medication mm. uh, and we all know that... Uh, Medication in that space can be has uh, very short half life, can be very, very um, sensitive to changes, um, and they then started abusing staff. Police were called. They then abused the police. Then they get charged with you know, effectively you know, an ab- abusing police. Mm. I mean, yeah, they grow up. Yes, absolutely. You feel like saying yeah. to the coppers, you know. Yeah. It, it, there's no need to charge this person. Yeah. Anyway, they go yeah. along and charge him and mm-hmm. he goes to, goes to court and he gets a $200 fine. But, you know, what, what's the point? I know, exactly. What is the
2: point? It's not even cost effective either. No. Um, a lot of money goes into the correction system. It's big business, isn't it? Mm, business. That money could go into the mental health system.
1: Um, it, you, you know, there's a huge amount of money it, it going into prison system, which is if you are someone who thinks that you should spend de- taxpayers' money wisely, you would say this is a terrible waste of money. Absolutely. In fact, it's interesting. There's I often refer people to this. There's an interesting website in the United States called Right on Crime R I G H T. It's the it unashamedly calls itself the conservative case for um, justice reform. But they say sensible things like, um, uh, and this is coming from the conservative side. Yeah. They say things <laughs> like, look, why would you put people with severe mental illness in prison? or in, uh, you know, detention facilities uh, because it's not cost effective. They're not going to get better. Mm. they possibly get worse. It's expensive. Why are we spending taxpayers' money doing this when mm. we could be doing it smarter and better? Mm. And so it's not just about, you know, people saying, oh, you want to be soft on crime, whatever that means. It's actually about being smart.
2: Yes. Mm. And, and,
1: and making sure that you reduce the risk for people who have a mental illness and who encounter the justice system.
2: Yeah, and also making society safer at the end of the of day. Of course, at the end yeah, of the day. That's yeah. right. Um, yeah, uh, I was going to ask are there any groups that are particularly overrepresented in the youth in the prison system? Like for example, the young yeah. particular cultural groups or well, ethnic
1: groups. indigenous people are mm. disgracefully overrepresented. We have yes. the highest indigenous rates of imprisonment in the world. Um, we have um, uh, 27% of prison population around Australia is Indigenous. And, of mm. course, Indigenous people represent less than 4%. Mm. Um, I, I think there are far too many young people in prison mm. uh, and they're in prison for the wrong reasons. And, you know, p- for example, um, if you look at um, some of those who are in Melbourne uh, in recent years said to be part of gangs, um, said to be part, yes, um, often end up in prison. Now... I can tell you now, youth detention in that sort of format does nothing for you. Mm. Um, it's simply just another form of jail and effectively it's an undergraduate
2: yeah. centre for mm. adult prison. That's right. That's all it is. And something I'm aware of as an ex-midwife is that um, Indigenous Australians have a high instance of fetal alcohol syndrome, yep. um, which has devastating effects. Um, and people with that condition who need compassion are basically locked up, young kids who are intellectually impaired. Now, not to say they're the only people that suffer from that, they're not, but there is a bit of a representation of that as far as I understand, am I right? Uh,
1: You're absolutely right about that, Susie, and, and, you know, it's appalling that we are not smart enough to think of things other than jail, Mm. you know. I mean, jail is a pretty primitive concept. It is. And... uh, you know, there's a very good argument for, for ripping it up and starting mm. again because it's it doesn't achieve much at all in mm. terms of safety in the community, and it certainly makes mental illness worse.
2: Yeah, um, we we were going to talk a little bit about dual diagnosis and obviously people that have addiction problems as well as mental health problems, yeah. but because of um, the wonderful, I was late. <laughs> yeah, yeah, not your <laughs> fault. Um, Uh, This, I think, is very important, though. As I've been looking into this, I've found that certain laws predispose the mentally ill to arrest, for example, drunkenness or um, poverty. Um, People who are suffering from poverty are more likely. Can you tell us a bit more about that? So
1: so people with mental illness, um, if, for example, they're on the streets, living on the streets, um, you will find that they're very vulnerable to being arrested and charged for... um, uh, for example, sleeping in doorways uh, or for um, a public nuisance, I think they call it. You know, a range of these types of offences. Mm. Um, but also, it's the fact that um, uh, when people are unwell, um, they are vulnerable also mm. to attacks from people. Mm. So they have things stolen from them, there are mm. fights. It's just a, its a really unsafe existence. And, unfortunately, we don't have a lot of local government support to do much about it, except I will say the city of Yarra, which has a markedly different Mm. approach than the city of Melbourne, Mm. I think is quite serious in handling it. Okay. uh, Mm. uh, And and is a good council in that sense. Mm. And I think it's the council for this area here, where you guys Mm. are at Thressyard. Okay. Um, But but generally speaking, um, I think that uh, we are... You know, people with mental illness can be very vulnerable on the street mm. and more likely to come into contact with the law.
2: Mm. Um, we're running through this fairly quickly, so we may have to see if you can come in again another time. No um, but what resources are available for families right now that are listening to this sure. and in need of help?
1: Um, look, I'm not the best person to ask, uh, and I, I, I noticed you were going to ask me that, and I, I had to think <laughs> about it. Look... Um, I think, you know, the Mental Health Legal Centre is very important um, and uh, uh, it's a very important resource for people. I I think the other resource, though, uh, you know, is the work being done by some of the NGOs in this space. Um, uh, There is, um, in terms of mental illness, there are some quite good resources online now which enable people to find places for... To to plug into as support, but one yeah. of the real problems is lack of treatment facilities mm-hmm. for people, and lack of uh, psychiatric care that's affordable. Mm. You know, uh, that is a real problem. Mm. Um, but certainly, certainly, look, uh, what I can say just very briefly is that um, uh, mental health legal centre, the 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 uh, particularly in relation to homeless people, the council on homelessness uh, here in Melbourne. Um, are good resources. And then, as I say, Salvation Army particularly doing a lot of work in prisons, as is the Red Cross doing a lot of work in prisons.
2: That's good. Well, look, um, once again, Greg, a huge thank you and for sharing your knowledge and your opinions, you can be easily con- contacted through the okay. Victorian Bar. Bar
1: or Tasmanian Bar. People just go to the Tasmanian website. Tasmanian Bar, email yeah.
2: sure. Um, the Mental Health Legal Centre, I notice, can be contacted on nine six two nine double four double two. Our listeners can also contact Wellways, who sponsor this program, for, for- further information or f- further support. Their number is one three hundred triple one four hundred.
0: Yep. Yeah. Excellent. Okay, so thanks uh, to our team today. Um, It was a great discussion, and sorry we couldn't talk more to you today. No problem, guys. And uh, you can find more of our shows at our website brainwaves.org.au, on the 3ci website 3ci.org.au, or on iTunes. And feel free to send us feedback or suggestions for the show via uh, via brainwavesatwellways.org. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week at 5pm for another show, for another episode of Brainwaves.